record this for Pastor Jason. Oh, you're doing it. Um, I was. I'm a, I'm a, I own a business. I, I run a business, and uh, God touched my heart in 2004, 2005. I went to Bible college, and then actually Pastor Schaller asked me to help. Uh, we needed a lot of help. The church had just gone through a split, and a lot of people were missing. And I was actually in Pastor Jason's office for mm -hmm. six months. It was the hardest six months of my life. <laughs> I was not amazed. I have not Pastor Jason. I just I was struggled. He he has great he has great memories. Every day was like a hard day for me. I was calling people and going to the hospitals and visiting people, loving people. And, I, and my heart wasn't there yet. God hadn't given me a soft heart. You know. Then in January, Pastor of 2006, Pastor Shout asked me to help Pastor Love in the youth ministry. And as soon as he said it, I knew it was God's will. So I knew with all my heart for the first time in my life that um, you know I had a call of God in my life. And, uh, I never, I, you know, I, my life was not about teenagers or kids. Um, my life was about me, you know. So it doesn't really matter if you don't have a heart for kids. Um, it would be normal to say that you don't have a heart for kids. Um, just like you don't have a heart for souls or you don't have a heart for, you know, uh, the elderly or whatever other group there is in your church. You know, we don't naturally have hearts of love for each other. So mm -hmm. don't be so bound to that. Just let God put his heart in you. You know how it says that he will make you fishers of men? Well, he will make you to love teenagers. I just kind of scratch out the fish. You know, like, I, I just, that's how I feel about it. That's what happened to me. I went from the last job in the world that I would want to, like, it's been my life. This is my 16th year. Yeah, 16th year. 15, I'm all beginning my 16th year. And it's been an amazing blessing. And uh, it, because it came from God, it's been easy. I mean, it's been hard. There's been a cross involved, and there's difficult times. But also, it was the greatest blessing of my life. And I, I have lived a life without ministry, and I have lived a life with ministry. And I know the difference. And a life without ministry is a life about yourself. You have your job, which is for you. You have your paycheck, which is for you. You have your wife, which is for you. You have your car, which you picked and chose. You have your vacation that you chose. You have your house that you chose. Your kids, your lawn, you know. Everything is for you. When you go into ministry, you have a wonderful break from yourself. You actually don't have time to think about yourself, especially when you're on some trip in, you know, Albania with 16 teenagers or Azerbaijan with 22 teenagers. You know, you're all you all you can think about, like, who's got time for your own world? You know, your own little selfish world. So I think it's a natural thing. God is a servant, and we are made in His image. So for us to be servants is really being the way God has made us. Um, and I think you have to get over the hump. You have to get over the hump. That's, that's maybe a little good little thing to say. Like, you join a ministry. It's fun. There's a honeymoon period. So excited. Everything's fun. This is great. I'm going to change the world. You know, you have all these great ideas. You're full of energy. And then, of course, the cross comes in, right? The cross comes in. Everything becomes familiar. Everything is difficult. Nothing seems to go right. Nobody wants to help you. There's, you know, whatever it is. Somebody's fighting you, parents are, you know, fighting you. Um, but then you say, well, it doesn't matter. I have a call of God in my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do not good in ministry now. I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep doing it, keep doing it. And then you get past it. After the cross, there's the resurrection. And you have an amazing assurance. And you learn a little bit. 
you learn. You learn how to navigate your life through difficult times or resistance. You just say, okay, all right, let's go. Here we go. I've already done this before. Let's do it again. It'll be different trials and different things. And I have found that there is such a peace in my life and such joy in my life. I have so much fun. I guarantee you I have way more fun than Pastor Jason. God bless him. But I'm telling you right now, I have way more fun with teenagers. I love being with them. And, um, you know, there's, God has given me some capacities, I think. God has given me some patience. And, uh, you know, I just can't believe that, it, that the whole church is not banging down my door. I wanted to join the youth ministry. I don't understand. <laughs> what are you guys all doing out there? So, uh, you know, I, this is just, uh, just to start the class, you know. Everybody has a heart. If you don't, of course you don't. Duh. You know, I understand, you know. Don't ever say, like, well, I'm not good with teenagers, I'm not good with kids, I'm not good with the other. Don't, ever, don't talk like that. You're just available, you know, and let God lead your life. And you, you, might, you might end up this kind of corporate business. No, I'm not corporate, but I don't know, a construction company, just to put that in perspective. But I did have, like, a corporate kind of mind. I'm like a, you know, yeah, selfish, corporate, go-getter. That was my life, you know what I mean? From that to, like, oh, I can't wait to leave work and you know, work with kids or go on a trip with kids or whatever. So God did that. I didn't do that. God changed me. So that's really it. That's really uh, the testimony of my life is that I got given an amazing privilege. And, um, and my skill didn't matter. My intellect didn't really matter. I didn't have that much to begin with. My experience I had zero experience, not one. I was raising two kids. That was about the best of, you know. But uh, it seems that God knew, like, don't worry about it. Just be obedient. God is looking for a faithful, obedient, cross-bearing servants. You know, that's all He wants. He doesn't care how intelligent you are, your skill, or your you know, like it doesn't matter. These are all kind of thoughts that distract you from your call. So, youth ministry is just really fun. I have endless. I could teach this class for seven hours, but we won't. <laughs> so I'll hit some subjects. And what you need to help me with is raise your hands if it interests you or you want to talk more about it. Is that, is that cool? Mm -hmm. Because I understand that this is not maybe, you know, everyone's future, you know what I mean? You'll love kids, but you'll love them in a different way in the church, which is fine, you know. One time I got up on the stage, this was maybe five or six, seven years ago, I don't remember, I said, okay, who here works, um, works with teenagers? So like, you know, maybe 100 kids, or I'm sorry, who here works with kids? So about 100 people stood up. I said, okay, who here has ever worked with kids in this church? And then like another 100 stood up. Then I said, okay, who here uh, has, is not really in the youth ministry, but has some kind of ministry to some kids in the church at some point in life? And then 200 more stood up. And I said, who here has prayed for kids? And then another 100 stood up. And then I said, who here, uh, no, uh, wants to pray for kids, wants to have it in their life, wants to, you know, have a vision or a life or a love, or a love a teenager. You know, another couple understood up. And basically the whole church is standing, right? Mm. That's, that's a great church. That's a great church. It's not that Pastor Jason does his little job and I do my little job. We are on the same team. We're just working in different ways. And actually, it wouldn't really matter. It could go this way tomorrow, you know? Um, I've noticed in the church that Sometimes I'm in charge, and, and sometimes somebody else is in charge. Sometimes, like, okay, when I go to camp, um, there are people that, there that are under me, 
okay? Uh, you know, because I'm a youth director and running Camp Life, and, and, and uh, Pat Lynch is there, and Scott Dubay is there, and all these people are there, and they're like under me, I'm running the show, they're coming to me, what do you want me to do, where, where are we going, where are we going? But then the next day I'll go to the gym, which is run by Pat Lynch, and he's running the show. Pat, what do you want me to do, where are we going? It doesn't really matter, you know? And uh, so sometimes, this is really funny, I'm a trustee, so sometimes the, the, um, um, the financial, um, chief financial officer comes into the trustee meeting and he stands before the trustees and makes, has an account of all of the stuff. And he's kind of under me, if you want to use that word, right? But then I'm also a department head, so sometimes I go to the chief financial officer and, I, and I'm kind of under him, you know? It doesn't really matter. We're all just living, loving God, sorry, and serving and positions don't matter. And it, it interchanges all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Pastor Gary Grunewald works for me, so I'm his boss. <laughs> but then he very often is running some huge, crazy, wild thing in the summer or some trip or whatever. And I'm like, okay, what do you want, Pastor Gary? You know I mean, like, he's it's the very elder. He's the elder, too. He's an elder, so I'm under him, right? I'm a trustee <laughs> under him. So it is, like, amazing to me how you know, we just put on different hats. Okay, hang on. Okay, all right, here we go. You know, we're doing this. So. Submit to each other. Uh, we're all loving the body. Some of us have, we have specific jobs, but we're all loving the body, you know. So that's, that's just a wonderful way to live in the body. And uh, don't let Satan turn your heart away from anyone. Turn, turn your heart towards, and it's the other way around too, by the way. Children are being taught to turn their hearts away from adults, right? So that's also a good subject. Mm. All right. Um, let's mm. see. Okay, we, when you're in the youth ministry, whether it's Sunday school or nursery or teenagers, um, there, are, there are several people involved. There's the kids, there's the parents, there's the other staff members that are working with you, then, then there's you. Who is the most important soul? Who's the most important soul? The kids. I love that you said that, but it's not true. Me. My soul is most important when I'm doing ministry. I have to guard my soul. I have to drink from the Holy Spirit. I have to have a devotional life. If I'm in ministry and I make my life about the kids, of course I love the kids, and God gives that to us. If I make their soul most important, I'm in trouble. It'll be out of my, out of my flesh, out of my own energy. So one of the first things that I always tell people, in ministry, the most important soul is yours. You feed your soul with what God has to offer you, and then you will be so full that you will overflow into their soul. Mm. And it will not be you doing it. You'll actually be turning around going, wait, I can't believe we just did that. What just, what just happened? I don't even know. Wow, I didn't know I had that message or, you know, whatever. Or somebody comes up to you, you know, when they're 25 and says, you know, you changed my life. Like, really? I thought you were kind of rebellious. And didn't, you know, like that's how it is, okay? You're in ministry, in youth ministry, in any ministry, your own soul. I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean that in guarding your heart, drinking from the Word, uh, going to church. I don't, can't stand when people uh, sacrifice um, church services for ministry. Like, you know, like my, our policy is you can miss one church service to be in the Sunday school, but that's it. You're useless to me. You're, you'll be a part-time, short-term worker for me. If you don't feed your soul, it will, you'll never, mm. this business we're in, listen, I can run, I have 60 employees, 16 trucks, I can run that. I feel like it, I, I can run that. This business, youth leading, 
No. It's way over my head. And I'm sure Pastor Jason says the same thing. You cannot do this in the flesh. You will burn out. You will be angry. You will be upset. You'll be bitter. You'll be, you know, disappointed. So your own soul is mm. something that I'm sure many of you have heard many times if you've been here a while in the Bible college. Which, by the way, I, I love Bible college. And I graduated twice because I love it so much. <laughs> I went nine years to Bible college. <laughs> I mean, I love Bible college. I would go back tomorrow if God, you know, if God would let that happen, I'd be the happiest guy around. Uh, yes, sir. Question. Uh, yeah. When he was talking about, um, I guess you was talking about people that works with you yeah. as a ministry. You said that um, if they, if their commitment or attendance in church is not regularly and they're not as committed in church then it's, not, it's, it's wise to not keep them on the team, right? In a yeah. sense of working because mm-hmm. they're not as committed, okay? Well, I would just say, when someone comes to youth ministry, you know, we talk to them, we sit down with them. If we see someone missing a lot of church, you know, I, I, we're very gentle and loving. Sometimes people just need time, you know. They're going through a hard time. But at the end of the day, it's like I'm kind of keeping an eye on them because it's a problem for me. Like, So... I'm not like, hey, you missed church last week, you're out, you know, no. By the way, I'm desperate for workers, so, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to say you're gone, but really, ultimately, yeah, we, we just want your soul to be connected to God, you know. So what do you say when, when the attendance and the absence is 50-50? I don't have a number for you, so that's another reason why this job is out, out, of, out of my league, out of, above my pay grades. It's whole, the Holy Spirit is something that has become very real in my life. Okay, I was a guy that had zero Holy Spirit experience at the age of 35, now I'm 51, and I can tell you, especially the last five or six years, I need the Holy Spirit to help me, and I don't want to give you a vague answer, but this happened, last two years ago this happened, there was a, someone who I know was hurting, you know, maybe um, some pain in his life, not going to church, but then was volunteer on Sunday morning. So we discussed it with my staff, you know, maybe I'll even... You know, if I have an opportunity, uh, talk to Pastor Schaller about it. You know, we got somebody here, you know. So very gently, prayerfully, slowly, we kind of like, you know, wondering what we should do about this. So then maybe I'll send an email out to all staff. Hey, listen, I just want you to know, you know, I want you to go to church. Church is where we get fed. Church is where God will straighten your life out. God, God will heal. God will fix. God will. And, you know, see if that works. So gently. And then I took him out for breakfast. I just took him out for breakfast. I said, hey, let's go to breakfast. Didn't say anything to him. Just loved him. And it worked. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if that's what it was. I don't know. All I know is I had peace about it. We kept him around. And, um, you know, it's kind of working. You know, like, it's, he's getting through it. So very patiently, very graciously, we help people through these things. But if someone came through the door, say, I want to volunteer, but I don't go to church, I would say, yeah, why don't you go to church and get back to me in a year. We'll, we'll go from there, you know. So, there's no real number, but it's important. It's very important. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Church? Are you kidding me? I, I need church. I need church. I need church and I need devotional life. Those two things. And ministry in my life. That's what, how many times has church saved me? I wonder. And how many times has my devotional life saved me? And how many times has ministry saved me? I wonder. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. The, the quote that I have under this is, Take care of your spiritual life and inner dialogue. That's Pastor Schaller. Like, take care of your spiritual inner dialogue. Like, you know, who's 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 dominating? 
Are you connecting with God? Are you, you know, I know it's hard, and I know we have our moments, but, you know, there's got to be a, a plan here on how you can make sure that you're connected. Um, this is a quote from Tozer. I, I love this quote. I learned it a long time ago. What you win them with, you must keep them with. So if I try to win teenagers uh, with some kind of incredible rock band or whatever, you know, incredible, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Some youth ministries are unbelievable. They're, they have like, you know. Fog machines. And fog, exactly, <laughs> all that stuff. Multimedia. I don't want to get too specific because on any given day, maybe I have, I don't, our youth minister owns a fog machine and we might use it, but I'm just saying, remember, remember that we are not trying to attract young people to shiny things, you know. Uh, the core uh, reality of a youth ministry is one-on-one investment and love and Jesus. I am trying to win them to Jesus because Jesus can keep them. If, you know, if, uh, if we tried, and by the way, we have some amazing programs and, you know, Camp Life is, is probably the highlight of our youth ministry and some of you maybe should join for a year just to get that experience. It's great, but be a counselor for a year at camp in the summer. It's great. It's a very great, very good program, very effective, but and of course, when we take a summer harvest trip to, you know, I might go to Cambodia next summer. It's looking like that's the direction. And I'll probably take 10 or plus kids with me, if not more. So these are amazing, shiny, wonderful things. But uh, that's not really the core of youth ministry. That's not really where you, where you really make a difference. You make a difference by little by little loving them individually and showing them Christ and giving them the word and connecting them with Jesus. I am not shiny enough, and neither is my fog machine. And neither is my trip to Azerbaijan or Georgia or wherever we've been in the past. It's got to be Jesus. You know, I can't entertain my way through youth ministry. That does not work. Now, it's definitely the way of the American church, okay? It's unbelievable how many books I read that say nothing about this and just talk about how to run things. And, I've, you know, you can do your own research, but it's... Money, you know, I remember one year um, I got an email. Church up the street from where I live was offering $80,000 a year for a youth director. You know? I was like, I'm getting paid zero here. Like, <laughs> 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 the wrong church. $80,000 a year. I was like, what? I think they passed a shower. Like, it's like, it's like, wow, you know. Uh, um, it's really the way, and I'm not even knocking that. I, I, would, I, I would actually wish that everyone could get paid more, you know, like that would be a great thing, but um, we don't have to necessarily starve to death in, in Christian ministry. But anyways, you know, it's, it's Jesus. I got, I'm not the attraction. Neither is my youth ministry, neither are my programs. It is Jesus Christ. And that has to be very clear with you. Uh, you cannot be cool be a great youth ministry, obviously. Uh, you know, you cannot be, uh, I mean, it doesn't take that. It doesn't take that. It takes God's heart. And, um, you know, I have made that mistake. You know, I've tried to become the attraction, you know, and create kind of sentimental, soulish bonds with kids. You know, like that's kind of natural for us to do. And I just have to, like, watch myself and say, I, I sat with a, a girl in Central Asia, because we ran a summer camp in Kyrgyzstan one year. 
And I noticed she was just really attached to me. Every year I go to Central Asia, and this girl is just attached to me. I'm like a father figure for her. You know, I don't, don't plan to be anyone's father or father figure, but it happens when there's no father, and I'm the youth leader, and I go there every year and, you know, buy them ice cream or whatever, you know what I mean? So it just kind of can happen where they can get very attached. Um, and I just remember sitting with her when she's 15 saying, well, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I know you love me. I know you love being with me. I know you're, like, attached to the hip. But what you really want is Jesus. I said, stop, you know, you know, like find Jesus. I'm challenging you. Find Jesus. I, you, I'll take that love of yours. I, I'm th- very thankful for it. And I love you too. And we'll see each other. And it'll be awesome. But what you really need is Jesus. You know, I cannot be the star. There's no stars in the body. There's just servants, right? There's no superstars. There's no heroes. I'm not the hero of the youth ministry. So that's important. We don't need sophisticated weaponry. Just the jawbone of an axe. It's another quote from Pastor Schaller. Don't need much. Just, you know, we have kind of a big youth ministry with big events and budgets, and you know, because we're a big church. But I don't know if that's the best. I go to Malta and see Scott Etman at a place with six or seven teenagers, and he's got it going on. And I go to Marlborough, and I see Doug Wamba, and I'm thinking, like, no, that guy's got it going on. He's got no budget. He's got hardly any staff, but he's making an impact, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need all of this fancy stuff. You know? uh, at all costs, avoid being a prayerless youth leader or a Sunday school teacher. At all costs. At all costs. It'll happen. It'll happen. Guaranteed. There'll be seasons you're like, oh, man, I, I, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm, I haven't been praying for the kids. So, you know, in my office I have a closet and on the walls of the closet is pictures of every kid that went through my youth ministry. So we can pray for them, you know, and to remind me to pray. I need help to remind me to pray. I'm kind of like attack, fix, you know. No, pray, just pray. Uh, there's kids I pray for for sometimes a decade after they're gone. You know? I'm praying for your daughter all the time. Genesis is always on my mind. So that's how it is. God put him in my mind, put him in my heart, and I pray. Um, you know, that's it. That's the thing. Like, if you can't, if you can't do much else, but you're a praying, you're a praying youth leader or a praying Sunday school teacher, that would be amazing. I would take you and put you on the staff and say, "Don't do anything, just keep praying." <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Like, there's some great prayer people in our church, right? People that are really prayer. I would love to have them on the staff and just say, you have nothing else to do. Just pray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. The Bible. This is the under attack. Is this under attack? Yes. Oh, boy, it's under attack. They will go. If they, if they make it out of college, secular college, without doubting the Bible, that will be a miracle. Today's world. It's unbelievable how much of their other text. Um, you can't restore Christian, let's see, you cannot restore Christianity as being culturally relevant without restoring biblical relevance. Okay? You can't have this Christianity that means something to the kids without making this mean something to the kids. Okay? That's my job. I mean, you think of what do I do? This. I just spent four weeks teaching my seniors about this Bible and almost weeping over this book, right? Almost weeping. Are you kidding me? This thing is no human being would ever even come within one page of writing a book like this. 
And you cannot really make Christianity relevant to them without making the Bible relevant. That's a Ken Ham quote, uh, by the way. And, um, you know, uh, just that uh, he specifically talks about how quickly our young Christians are dismissing Genesis as being true. You know, that's the first line of defense, well, the first line of attack um, for the devil, I think. You know, get the Bible, undermine the Bible. So that's bad. And I fight that hard. I don't really like to, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't think I have to say this here in Bible college, but. You know, every message has the Bible in it. Every class, every every counseling session, you know, like every time we talk, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. You know, that's it. That's it. I'm obsessed. They know it. They know I'm a Jesus freak. I'm a Bible-loving Jesus freak. That's what I want my kids to know about me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm nothing else. You know, I'm nothing else. I show them my Bible. I show them all the notes, all the writing, and I just want them to know my Bible. I am this guy because I fell in love with this thing. Whatever you think I am, it's because Jesus spoke to me through this thing. You know? So, uh, Bible is huge. Um, if you're a youth leader, then you have a unique position. Uh, you are not their dad, and you are not their teacher. Uh, so you can really care less about a lot of things that dads and teachers have to care about. So, Pastor Barry is one of my dear friends. We've known each other for 35 years. We've Went to school together. He's a couple of years ahead of me in, in this school, our church school. And, you know, but his job is totally different than my job. He, he's got to make sure kids are getting good grades and you know staying disciplined. And he has lunch detentions to hand out. And you know he's got all kinds of stuff to worry about. And you know where the where the haircut is and dress code and where the skirt is. And he's this is his life. That's what he's got to do. Um, I don't have to do any of that. I could care less what color your hair is or you know. I mean, there are some rules. You know, like. There are some dress code rules, of course, in youth events, but actually, you know, all the time I'm dealing with, you know, kids that are not, you know, didn't know about or whatever. I'm dealing with, like, kids that are, would never make it, you know, in the school, um, actually. Uh, but I, I get a chance to love them. I can just, I just talked to a dad in the hallway just now. How's your, how's your daughter? She just graduated. How's your daughter? I heard she quit school. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, I could care less, by the way. I'm just, you know, just, I heard that's all I want to know. Tell her I love her. I could care less about college. You know, it's fine. That's for you to worry about. I don't have to worry about you. <laughs> like, I want her to know Jesus. That's all I want to know. It's very simple to be a youth leader. It's amazing. You know, eat, eat too much, eat too little, weight, this, blah. job, income, blah. I could care less. Jesus. I don't care. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> you know? So um, uh, we give them a lot of grace to arrive at holiness. A lot of grace to find the Holy Spirit. A lot of grace. I was given a lot of grace. Unbelievable in my life. I grew up in this church since I was seven years old. A lot of people gave me grace. At the same time that I give them a lot of grace, I, I do have a high expectation. And ultimately, the high expectation is that they can speak and find God. They can communicate to God. They can hear, feel the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things happening at the same time. I'll give you all the grace you need. Here's where I want you. I want you and Jesus to get cozy. I want you to wake up in the morning and be quiet and you know and ask God to help you. Like I want you to have a prayer. I treat them like adults. At 14 years old, I treat them like adults, as if God can speak to them, you know, louder and more clear than He does to me. Like because they were made for that. So that's a nice balance. Let's see. Doubt is huge in their life. 
Um, you know, there's two kinds of doubts. There's a doubt that is a rebellious doubt, and uh, you know that that kind of doubt leads them out. You give them all the proof in the world, they're just going to be rebelliously doubting. And then there's the kind of doubt that's transitional doubt. And transitional doubt is good doubt. It's, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's the kind of doubt that is very present uh, in our lives, and it's great. So you have to be good with doubt. You have to be okay with doubt. You have to understand that these kids are full of doubt. This morning I asked the senior class, 15 of them, who here has a lot of doubt? Every single hand raised. I said, yeah, good. That's good. I'm asking you to believe something. That's what faith is all about. Faith and doubt go hand in hand. You can't have faith without doubt. So, you know, but I want you to have transitional doubt. Doubt that leads to believing, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll lead you out. So be humble and ask God about, you know, present your doubt to God and ask him to help you. And be very humble and it'll transition like it has for many of us. You know, as we get older, doubt is disappearing, right? It's disappearing. So we, uh, you know, we, we want to be very okay with doubt. We want to talk about it a lot with teenagers especially. But we also want to make sure they understand that there's two kinds. You know, and you can use examples of prideful doubt in the Bible or, you know, some of this, like, arguing everything you say. You know, I have, I have this girl that I see every summer in Romania or a couple summers in a row, and she just is, you know, fighting Fighting, fighting back. She's got a rebellious spirit. And she just asks me all these questions. I, I think she spends all year, you know, thinking about some kind of question and asks me, and then I give her an answer, but you know, it's never satisfying to her. So there it goes again next year. Next year, you know, it's, it's like. And this year, I said to her, "Listen to me. You know, do you really care about these answers? Like, do you really care about any of these answers? Because I, I feel like I give you answers every year I've seen you." And every year you come back with me with this kind of same question, but different way. And I said, are you just like living in rebellion towards God? Like, can you, can, can God break you? Could you let God break you and let's settle these things? Put, put that away. Put those questions away for a while. Those will be answered very easily down the road when your heart is ready. But just, you know, just receive from God. Sometimes I just have to be like, I'm not answering that question because, you know, I know what's behind it. You're just, you're just trying to. You know, argue and have rebellion in your heart. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful. The Holy Spirit's got to help you with, with that stuff. But like, uh, okay. Last thing, because it's is that clock right? Yes. Just a little. Uh, this is wow. We're really low budget shock. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trust this. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is a. Uh, I stole this and then I added some things to it. But this is uh, actually, let me refresh my memory. Uh, let's see. If this is uh, church life. This is the church of the future. Okay. And this is the church of the present. Okay. That's probably spilling something wrong here. And then this is coming. And this is going. Okay. And uh, when a kid is born, or when a new when a new person comes in uh, to the church, you could also use a chart. But let's we're talking about kids. So a kid comes in the church, he's here, right? Uh, he is uh, learning, you know. Uh, all kinds of words here. Um, he is uh, uh, he's he's getting roots. He's he's training. He's a kid, 
and he's just receiving. So all he is is doing is receiving, right? He's eight years old, six years old, and he's just learning Bible stories, learning, learning, receiving, receiving, receiving. And um, he, he can get a lot, but, um, but as he... As he grows up, at some point, he goes from the future church to the present church, or from coming to church to like uh, and receiving and learning to going and ministering and teaching and soul winning and being very active. Right now, on this side, we have like you know ownership, you know ownership of the church. Um, uh, you know, Pastor Shal used that that hitch, hitchhiking thing. You ever heard him say that? You know, don't be a hitchhiker, church member. You kind of stick your thumb out, catch a ride. It's not your car, not your gas, not your oil, not your tires, and you're getting to the other side, and you had nothing to do with it except you bummed a ride, right? <laughs> uh, no, church is ownership. It's my church. What can I do? What do I have to do? How do I do? What, I'm going to go soul winning. I'm going to lead. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to mission. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give my money, right? That's the difference between this and this, okay? So some words here, this is like getting wings and ownership, teaching, soul winning, mission fields, trips, responsibilities, song leading, Sunday school teaching, whatever that is, right? That's the goal. We are raising body members. Just remember that. We're not raising, we're not raising good people. Good luck if that's your motivation. Uh, we are not raising Christians. I mean, we are. We want everyone to be saved. It's much more than that. I am raising a body member, and I want that body member in the beginning to come and be the future church, the future body. And I want him to, to receive. I want him to be under something. It's very good to be under somebody. There's another side to this. A lot of young people don't want to be under anybody. They just want to run everything, right? It's like a new thing in the last 10 years. I feel like I hear a lot. Not, not serving somebody or under learning from somebody, but... I'll, t- I'll you know, make, make me the pastor. I'll, I'll, t- I'll do it. You know, I'm 25 years old. Like I can I'll do this better than you. Ever, you know, like that kind of spirit is different. But you want them to be here, learning and receiving, and you want them to end up here where they're going and teaching and being an active body member. Now, here's the million-dollar question: What age? At what age do do they do they? What's this age? Where do they cross from this realm into this realm? And I don't have the answer. But throw some numbers out. What, what age does a kid is a kid old enough to say, "Hey, you're not here to let's what you can play a, you can start playing around over here. You're, you know, you can start like singing or serving or you know what I mean. It's different for every kid. Different for every kid is a good answer. Um, you know, you can throw low numbers out there if you wanted to, like twelve, like twelve years old, like. I don't know, I raised, raised my son and my daughter, and 12 years old was a game changer. Rule, different rules, you know, like, time to take ownership of the family, you know, like, of the house, of the lawn, of the garbage, you know, like, uh, but in church also, hey, you know, don't, don't just be receiving all the time, you know. Church is not a place for you to receive, it's for, a place for you to give. If you have that set in your mind, you never get hurt, you'll never get hurt. When I get stuff, I'm like, woohoo! When someone serves me or loves me in the church, I'm like, wow, I ain't coming for that. The church owes me nothing. I owe the church everything. Okay, Romans chapter 12. My whole body, everything I am is for the body of Christ. I don't need anything back. When someone is kind to me or loves my children or helps me or calls me or sends me a card or gives me a hug or says edifying words for me, I'm like, 
wow, something amazing. Um, and if I don't get it, it's okay, because I don't deserve it. You know, I'm not here for that. I'm not here to get. People look for churches. They go shopping for churches, and they, they try, you know, you've probably heard this from Pastor Jason, you know, seeker-friendly churches, all that stuff. And they're looking for a place that can accommodate their life and their kids and, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're not interested in that. We are looking for a place where we can lay down our lives. That's what church is about. Read your Bible. Read, read the Gospels. Jesus, Jesus was frustrated beyond belief because he could not get the disciples to get this one principle. Lay down your life. Wash each other's feet. Can you guys just please understand what I'm trying to teach you over and over and over and over and over again? So that's uh, what we're doing with kids. From here to here. I want my teenagers to take ownership and I want them to be body members. And that's, uh, that's what youth ministry is about. Amazing timing, Pastor Jason, because I am done. <laughs> if you are interested, you can uh, see me. Like I said, we have way more fun than image. Way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a break now? Right? Do you do a break? Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Pete. Wasn't he good?